0: resilient and innovative. This podcast is your source for the latest information on the management, markets, research and technology related to blueberry production. This is The Business of Blueberries. Here's your host, president of the U.S. Highbush Blueberry Council, Casey Cronquist. Well, welcome back to another episode of The Business of Blueberries, the only podcast dedicated exclusively to the blueberry industry. Now, I'm especially excited about this episode because it's our 50th, that's right, the Big 5-0. And this is happening just a couple of weeks shy of our one-year anniversary, but even more exciting is that we've nearly hit 20,000 downloads of this podcast during this period of time. Over the last 50 episodes, we have covered a lot of ground and I know I've learned a lot along with our listeners from cutting edge technology we're seeing on the farm to what's happening in consumer trends and preferences and everything in between. We've been able to hear from a lot of industry leaders, influencers, and icons. This podcast has taken us on a journey to many corners of our blueberry world, but I know that as we gear up for season two, there's still a lot of ground to cover. You know, I recently read that over 2 million podcasts are available today. Clearly, we weren't the only organization that launched a podcast during this pandemic. Now, I can't speak for the rest of the shows that launched over the last year. But what we found was a wonderful and loyal audience that has grown with each and every episode. Your support, your downloads, your comments, your encouragement certainly gave fuel to the idea that an all blueberry, all the time podcast would be successful. We also found some very generous and incredible guests who were willing to help this startup operation get started. So a big thank you goes to so many of our guests who took the time to share their insights and expertise. It's also important to give credit where credit is due. Leadership matters, and this show would not exist if it weren't for the support and approval of the USHBC board, the Industry Relations Committee, and the Innovation and Technology Committee, who have provided guidance all along the way. I also want to give a special shout out to Mr. Rod Cook for his co-hosting the tech episodes, which have been some of the most popular shows over the last year. So as we celebrate this important milestone, it's important and fitting that today's episode feature a longtime industry leader for a discussion about what the future holds and the reasons for hope and optimism within the blueberry industry. So joining us today is Tom Baki. Tom is an owner, co-owner of Cornerstone Ag Enterprises, a board member of MBG, the immediate past chair of NABC, a council member of the USHBC, and a member of the USHBC's Industry Relations Committee. But beyond that, Tom has been a mentor to me since I joined the USHBC two years ago, and has been someone who has been a wealth of insight and knowledge for me and other members of our industry. Welcome, Tom, and thank you for joining me on another episode of The Business of Blueberries.
1: Izzy, I'm glad to be here tonight.
0: Yeah, well, I, I you know, in some ways it feels like I've already interviewed you uh, many times over with all the questions I've asked you over so many months about this business that we're in and and at, we, while you were chair, we had a cadence of a weekly conversation about kind of how this industry works and what we were working towards and the process of me onboarding. So I've I've always appreciated, you know, the insights you've provided me in my early role here. But I thought, you know, for folks who don't know you as as well as I've gotten to know you, um, I thought we would just start off by you sharing a little bit about who Tom Bodke is. And, and I kind of give a little bit of a resume there of, of those things that people might already know about you in this industry, but there's a lot of depth in, I think the way your business intersects family and your life in Michigan. And you could just share a little bit about who Tom Bodke is and your background in the blueberry industry.
1: Okay. Well, we, uh, Moved into this area about a little over 50 years ago. My folks were farmers growing up, and had gotten away from the farm and into the city. As they watched their four children growing up in the city, uh, decided that they thought farm life would be better with responsibilities and uh, a daily work schedule and that type of thing. So. They, they brought us out to the farm, the blueberry farm, and it was good for me. And I think the rest of my siblings, too. But I enjoyed the, the farm. As youngsters, you get responsibilities that you wouldn't even come close to uh, in the city growing up. And driving tractors and um, just doing the work around the farm, uh, working on the harvesters and packing berries.
0: I wanted to spend a little time just kind of talking uh, to you about what it is that you're committed to. And it's almost a question of what drives you to, you know, continue to want to invest the time you invest beyond your own interest, beyond just blueberry farming. Uh, what is it that that you come to the organization, whether it's your chair hat at NABC, you know, now you're serving on the, as a member of the council on USHBC, and then you've extended yourself further. You're a part of the United Blueberry Task Force on the NABC side. What, what is it that you find is important to the leadership role that you continue to play in this industry?
1: Well, okay, Casey, I think that uh, one of the things that we've grown up with is whatever you're doing to do the best at it that you can, put everything that you've got into it. If it's worth doing, it's worth doing right. Uh, those kind of phrases. If you try to uh, return things back, that are in better shape than you found them in. You know whether it's walking in a park and picking up a piece of litter, or you know working with a board to to make your school district better. Working together, uh, we've always felt like you can accomplish so much more together than you can apart. And so those are the kind of things that I I, I think when I you know I don't think about those things every day, but when I step back and say you know why. Those are the kind of things that that drive me.
0: From your perspective, is there a that's why I do it moment for you in leadership where where you can go back and say in your career maybe one or two examples that, that just really stand out as uh, something you've been proud to be a party to in blueberry industry leadership?
1: That's a good question, Casey. and and it probably uh, as we talk through this, Everybody's going to say, well, Casey, that was a pretty self-serving question, because I would say one of those areas was in working together with the industry to, to hire you.
0: <laughs> oh, geez. <laughs> well, that was that was not where I was going. Uh, but but carry on, carry on. <laughs> no, <laughs> oh, you got me on that one.
1: You know, it's been it's been almost two years now, and Mark did a great job for our industry, Mark Palata. But but the industry has been changing. Uh, everybody in it knows that, and you've come in and you've uh, initiated and and brought in a number of things that I really feel can have a difference for our industry going forward. So that would be one thing I, I think, and this is a little self-serving on the other side, but I'm, I'm very proud of MBG and, and our management team there and, and being a part of that. And, and I really look at it as being a part. Leadership is, a, in my eye, estimation, is a, a shared service. And uh, we've got a lot of great leaders there and are not just looking out for what happens on their farm or what happens with our marketing company, but what happens in the industry.
0: Well, speaking of what's happening in the industry, now would be a good time to segue into this week's crop report and hear from a number of regions where the blueberry harvest is in full swing.
2: It's now time for your Blueberry Crop Report, an update on crop conditions and markets from important blueberry growing areas. Today, you'll hear from Juan Sordia in Mexico, Elizabeth Carranza in California, Eric Staffney in Mississippi, Darren Wheeler in Georgia, and Neil Moore in North Carolina. This was recorded on June 2nd, 2021.
3: Hi, good morning to all of you guys. Uh, This is Juan Soria from uh, Maneberries. Next, I'm going to provide the information for um, blueberry exports for week 21st. Uh, This week, as uh, we have been mentioned before, we are seeing a decrease in our volumes. We are now uh, 700,000 pounds below the normal um, exports for each week. Uh, That is, we are down 19% and uh, the volume continues decreasing as the season is coming now to an end. For this week, we have exported 3,200,000 pounds of blueberries to all the world. The season for now, uh, for Mexico, has been just great. We have exported a total of uh, 132 million pounds around that. This season, compared to the last one, 2019-2020, we have had an increase of 20%. That's the report for us, Joe. Thank you very much for uh, your attention.
1: All right, this is Darren Wiener for the Georgia Update. So conditions have been dry in Georgia. Uh, Disease pressures remain light. Pure pest pressures continue to be low. Uh, Georgia's at the tail end of the southern highbush crop. And all those varieties should finish up next week, with the exception of Legacy. Georgia USDA fresh uh, blueberry shipments through five thirty-one twenty-one are conventional, twenty-nine million four hundred four thousand, versus last year twenty-four million two hundred thirty-six thousand. Organic two point five million this year versus two million four hundred thirty-four thousand last year, and then year-to-date processed volumes are approximately one point two million pounds and the current Georgia blueberry acreage is approximately 24,000. And that is my report.
4: Hello, this is Neil Moore for your crop report from North Carolina. We have no pest or disease pressures
1: to report right now, but preventative sprays have started to control SWD. There are reports of shortages of labor for hand harvest on some farms, and there is some labor still coming up from Georgia. Harvest right now is Rebels, Star are in our fourth pick, O'Neill Susie Blue are in the third pick, New Hanover and Duke are in first and second pick, and Legacy will be starting by this weekend. Machine harvest has begun
4: and is mostly fresh, going for fresh, with little fruit going to process. Farms with hail damage are trying to harvest some fruit where viable. The state estimate still remains at 20 million fresh. No process estimate is available at this time.
0: This is Eric Staffney from Mississippi State University doing the report for Mississippi and Louisiana. The weather has turned drier and warmer in the last week and has helped progress the rabbit rabbit eye crop some. Rabbit eye harvest began last week with very light volumes. It's been slow to ripen. The best crop loads look to be on later varieties like Brightwell and Tiff Blue, which are roughly still about seven to 10 days away. There have been no reported difficulties with pests or labor at this time, and southern high bush harvest uh, was completed last week uh, for, in
2: Mississippi. So That's my report.
4: This week in California, we are moving into our second out of three weeks of um, expected peak volume. Um, I think the most significant update for California's crop this week is our um, reduction in total volume that we had originally anticipated. Um, We'd originally thought we were gonna come in around 88 million pounds, um, but we've reduced this estimate down to 76 million pounds. Um, And this is mainly just due to labor shortages that we've seen throughout um, the state of California. Um, We've heard it from other commodities as well. So um, we don't know for necessarily losing out to those other commodities. Um, We, I know a lot of our growers are shifting more to mechanical harvesting rather than handpicking. So we are expecting some loss from that. And then I know they're gonna try to move as much as they can over to process. But um, again, that's going to be limited just given the, the mechanical harvesting um, tendencies. So in terms of volume, that's where we stand here in California.
0: Well, thanks so much to our busy growers who take the time to participate in these reports. As a reminder, you can go to the new USHBC website where you'll find our data and insight center. To see more data of what's happening in this blueberry business, we've made that snapshot view of USDA data on production and price an online resource for everyone to access easily and quickly. So make sure you go to ushbc.org forward slash data to check that out. So I'm going to jump back in here with Tom. Just most recently, again, another effort on the leadership part of the MBG to vote a resolution of, of support for the continuation of USHBC. So maybe you could talk a little bit about the decision to, to do that, but uh, from your perspective as a board member, why that was important.
1: Well, um it's certainly important to to work through the issues that lead up to a decision like that so a lot of times things are unsaid or a lot of times things are said that maybe aren't the full picture you know within our membership within our industry in michigan and you know to a degree across the country there's been a lot of pain in the blueberry industry and we can look at imports and import at finger we can also look at within the the industry itself and just the expansion of production you know domestically so to be able to to talk about those issues out front and address them uh, discuss them and and just get down to a bottom line question you know are we going to be better off as an industry with the USHBC and our checkup money working together or are we going to be better everybody dividing off and trying to do their own thing with whatever budget they're willing to commit to it. And I think our board looked at that and unanimously said, you know, we're going to be better off uh, doing this together. And so the, the board came together and voted for that position. But, but it, it, there's a lot of discussion and debate up to that. It, it wasn't, you know, a padded road to get there.
0: Recently, I had the chance to go out to Michigan and and meet with growers out there because there is this challenge within the industry, of you know I think the uncertainty of how those changes are going to affect individual growers in different growing regions. It's not a Michigan, it's not isolated to a Michigan situation, but but some really good conversation out there about those challenges and and what those solutions uh, might be, and and of course you know my part of being out there. Uh, you know, what is it that USHBC can bring to uh, help solve uh, those issues? You know, one of those things that we're working on and we shared when we were out there is the United Blueberry Task Force effort. You know, we're working with David Rockland, who's been a guest on our show, talking about our USHBC strategic planning. But, you know, what's what are you hoping uh, as you look forward to, you know, what was discussed in those meetings from your perspective? I mean, what what's your sense of, of ways in which USHBC and NABC, but either of these two organizations, you know, can better serve the industry going forward to address some of the challenges that Michigan faces in particular, but the industry faces. So what's your vision ahead for those opportunities?
1: Well, certainly it's going to take new and different channels to move the increasing amount of production of blueberries. New varieties can make a difference in that, but hopefully in the in the big picture, we can sell more blueberries at, at stronger pricing. And that's going to take more investment on the, the front end to, you know, advertising campaigns or, or different types of promotional efforts, uh, maybe directed towards specific retailers or specific regions at certain times of the year when peak production hits and, it's going to take a lot of different areas. I, I've said a couple of times, multi-pronged approach. There's not going to be one thing that that solves the the issue. You know, continued health research, and sometimes it doesn't. You know, it seems like maybe you're spinning your wheels a little bit. You know, but it only takes one thing. And, and but you're going to have to have multiple research projects going on to accomplish that. You know, and it's been mentioned over and over again in your podcast. In the industry in the task force but but data is going to be an important part of uh, the success of our industry and you know what we generally mean by that is uh what kind of production volumes timing of those volumes uh, what's in inventory what, what has pricing been up until this point and then analytics that that can analyze all that and bring out, you know, where do we need to go from here? What do we need to do? Where do we need to focus our efforts to move this crop? More money, more, more programs and more data driven decisions.
0: Yeah. Well and I and I think that's that's shared across the spectrum of the supply chain. I, I you know I think the hope here in the conversations we're having you know, certainly positions the USHBC to be the, the cooperative resource that can be entrusted for that uh, data driving element. But you did mention marketing, and I think this would make for a, a great segue to our marketing boost. So uh, we're going to take a moment here, but for now, here's USHBC NABC Vice President of Marketing and Communications, Jennifer Sparks.
2: Thanks, Casey. Grab a boost of blue and walnuts too. That's the message consumers at three key retailers are getting this month, Brain Health Month. In addition to our big push promoting blueberries and brain health on all of our channels, USHBC is teaming up with the California Walnut Board to generate consumer engagement and increase demand among new audiences. This is the first of several 2021 promote and learn initiatives at the retail level. The joint promotion engages the power of digital and in-store activations to drive blueberry sales across the country. Activating in 290 stores across 12 regions in Coborn's, Rouses and Weiss supermarkets, the program features in-store displays, e-newsletter placements and shoppable e-commerce banners. As part of the partnership, each retailer's registered dietitians are also garnering attention for the health benefits of this power combo through Facebook Live events and TV interviews. The program runs for the entire month of June and showcases easy and delicious ways for consumers to enjoy blueberries and walnuts all with a goal of inspiring them to purchase and eat more. We can't wait to share the results. In the meantime, remember to go to ushbc.org toolkits so you can find all the resources you need to promote blueberries to your audiences throughout the summer. This has been your Marketing Boost. Thank you for your partnership, as together we inspire the world to grab a boost of blue. Casey, back to you.
0: All right. Thanks, Jenny. Now back to our episode with Tom. Uh, You know, Tom, we were just talking a little bit about priorities of the industry ahead. What gives you hope in the future ahead for the Michigan blueberry grower?
1: What gives me hope is that there is a new generation of blueberry farmers that are coming on that have that determination, have that desire. And uh, I've got uh, two nephews and a son. In their 30s, in the business here with me, I'm I'm blessed to be working with my brother and sister. Those those are things that give me hope. And these guys that are in their 30s, uh, late 20s, that are just getting into the business, uh, at least around here, have seen a lot worse times than they've seen good times. Maybe that's all they've seen. What better time to get into an industry to have the grit to go through that? You know, if you If you come into the industry when it's riding high and then things get tough, you know, you maybe are not as resilient as uh, coming in when things are tough.
0: Yeah. Well, and I was encouraged by that. When I was there, you know, obviously seeing that generational succession in the room. This last trip was the impression I walked away with. Just you know, between one of the places we visited was the Grand Champs and Brookside, and and there was a uh, you know consumer facing store, the the blueberry store, and and just the way in which the industry has a touch on consumer direct that is helping to just kind of build that grassroots inertia for the blueberry industry that USHBC has the ability to provide the umbrella for. And and how we have always marketed the health halo, the the tools and technologies that's going to make that help evolve and push into more consumers, not just here in the United States, but obviously the global footprint that we have ambition to try and uh, grow around the world. So I kind of liken the way we work at USHBC is to a little bit like alleviating pressure in the balloon. So where, you know, there may not be that aspiration for Michigan to necessarily want to be all things, but the ability to be a part of a team who's looking at pushing some of the fruit into these different population bases who aren't enjoying blueberries like the northeast does maybe you can talk to you know that expectation on on your part for this to remain a pillar of the program
1: yeah absolutely that exports for our industry are critically important and how we develop the the consumer understanding the demand the appreciation uh, wherever blueberries have been introduced, people love them. It's a matter of being able to get the fruit to them. I'm going to say at the right price point, but in the in the right containers and in the right periods through the different protocols and paperwork that require to get them. And uh, state organizations on the the West Coast have been working very hard with the USHBC to develop these export markets.
0: You have a bit of a global perspective that comes by way of your relationship to Nature Ripe, you know, MBG being a part of Nature Ripe. How much has that partnership relationship with Nature Ripe as your marketer shaped your view of the world or your view of the blueberry market? How did that come together and how has that been working?
1: I would say that the relationship there, because we've been able to travel together to different Areas, opened your eyes to what's happening in those areas, but also being able to have a product for the retailer every day of the year. Uh, I like what Tom I says something that's going to delight the consumer. So the development of that side then leads to okay, then where with all these berries? I think Nature Ripe has worked hard to open up export markets. Our, our partner Hortifruit has worked very hard to develop export markets and it's key to their success. I I think they understand fully that all of the fruit that's produced outside of the United States is not going to be able to find a home in the United States. It's going to go to other markets. And so it's to all our benefit developers. Markets.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think what I find fascinating about NatureRipe and MBG's participation as part of the ownership structure is what you're describing, which is kind of like that knowledge is power, that way that it comes around the marketplace with information and resources, and it builds on what it can learn in order to continue to evolve and improve and compete into the marketplace. And and so there's a lesson there. I think obviously you as a cooperative, us as USHBC, which is also a form of cooperation as an industry that working together, you have the advantages of what you learn from one another. Well, and I know in those cooperations, there's conflicts, right? That it's not just happy talk and kubaya. There at Nature Ripe, you obviously have the challenge of representing both North and South America. How does that play out from your perspective as a grower in Michigan, working under that umbrella to feed the market 365 days a year. How has it taught you as a grower in Michigan about the industry and what is it telling you about the future ahead?
1: Well, it has taught me, and and retailers speak to it all the time, that seasons or shoulders of low production or low availability of fruit causes them heartburn when they can't have shelf stocked with blueberries every day. For their consumer or if they're worried about where the next crates coming from uh, that's an issue so i think all the growers in michigan understand that we need imports and used to be that the imports were the winter season and and while they may have some influence on frozen consumption it was pretty much people that wanted fresh berries that were consuming those and then taking those into those shoulder periods where retailers just say, I've got to have a solution to this. The retailer driving back to the sales companies, the, the brands that you've got to give me an answer to this. Where it becomes an issue for the domestic growers is when that spills over into our peak production periods and keeps coals on the fire.
0: Well, and what's your opinion on how increasing demand... Serves the industry right now. Like I think you said, the consumer will consume what we produce. You know, our job is to keep that value proposition high in order for it to maintain a price point that makes it profitable for the growers. But if you lift demand, categorically, just lift that demand. Does that, and in your opinion, make a difference? Well, there's two ways to
1: describe that, and when people talk about that, you need to make sure you're on the same page. I don't think our goal is to raise demand or raise consumption of berries at the price of a lower price point. The idea is that you're going to sell more berries at the same or a higher price point. That's what true demand expansion and demand lift is about. That's what we're seeking to do with the USHBC.
0: Yeah, I love that response because it was a bit of a leading question because, you know, the, the analogy of rising tide lifts all boats is a, a bit of a struggle of a metaphor for me because of what you just said, right? If the rising of the tide has the consequence of lowering the price to raise that tide, then only a certain group of producers at that point can participate in the rising of that tide. So some boats just rise higher. doesn't mean that they don't all go up but some boats go up really fast and i think what i'm i'm striking at is that i think if you can increase the consumption that outpaces supply then there's that oxygen in the room for where you know those prices and those opportunities can still exist because again your your demand is exceeding that supply chain's ability to still deliver Now, again, can you ever get back to that place where there wasn't a competitor in the market, you know, competing at that level? No, I think that was part of what got asked and answered recently in the 201 investigation. But I do believe that the job here ahead for us is to, you know, exceedingly improve the demand in the marketplace. Combined with that eating experience where we're exceeding the expectations of the consumer to the point where it just infuses the energy into the category that people just keep coming back to blueberries, that's an exciting future. Whether it's in food service, it's in food manufacturing and ingredient, or it's in consumers at retail, lifting that that demand so high that it just... It forces everybody to want to be a part of this game again. That that would be a future to set set course for.
1: And Casey, you mentioned competition. I think that most growers would tell you they're not afraid of competition. In fact, competition is healthy for an industry. But you want strong competitors that understand the industry, are, are data driven, are not reactionary, and you want competitors that are on a level playing field that maybe have that are looking at the same regulations or uh, having some of the same uh, challenges. And even domestically, we're not on the same playing field. I'm sure growers in Michigan would love to have the average production of a West Coast grower, but the West Coast grower would love to be you know, within 12 hours of their large market. There are differences, even domestically, but strong competitors are are not to be feared.
0: Well, and I would say that this industry has a rich history of teaching the competition. This is where Michigan and New Jersey and North Carolina, as this industry has progressed, the competition has come around a common table where the competition, and I think you've heard this from I'd go back to an episode with Mark Hurst and others where, you know, the competition, the future of the West Coast competing with others or, you know, in Mark's example, has been largely to the benefit of the competition teaching him how to farm blueberries or each other coming together to talk about this business that you're in. And it's to the industry's credit that you've operated that way, uh, much like a family and and recognizing that you're, you're competing with one another, but you're also constantly sharing the lessons of the past and the history that this industry has, which is a lot. And so that idea of, of teaching the competition seems to be a red thread that kind of runs through, you know, the very beginnings of the industry.
1: It's interesting that family relationships and, and even the, the greater family, we, we know that we're competing with different ones and yet we can still be very close friends. We can share information. It's been interesting as, you know, some of the newer companies in the blueberry industry are less family and more investment-oriented business operations. But when they have people that come to our meetings and get involved, I think it's the the sharing of those relationships and, and that information that really attracts them. I think we've all benefited from that in this
0: industry. Yeah, I would say uh, it's certainly part of what attracted me to you know, wanting to work with you and the industry here in the blueberry industry is that culture of family, that culture of collaboration. And I know we've gone through a period of time here where it hasn't necessarily felt like it's reflected that, but I think we're coming back to that table and knowing that there's a lot to learn from one another. And I know you're a part of that, you know, United Blueberry Task Force where that conversation is happening in a meaningful way to try and come to some understanding about where we've been, where we're at today and where we need to go uh, as we move forward from here. Well, I have always, Tom, appreciated your leadership, your candor, your thinking about the industry, uh, the time you give to giving thought to what needs to happen next and next. And so, uh, is there anything else you'd like to share before I let you go? Uh, <laughs> no,
1: no. I, uh, I'm just. I guess I'm. I'm happy to do my part, and if that's a big part at a certain time, I'm glad to do it. Uh, but I'm also glad to, to sit back and watch others take an active role and leading this industry forward.
0: It's a real pleasure to be working with you, Tom. And again, your kind of mentorship over, you know, my coming on board has been greatly appreciated by me. And I think I'd be as far along in my trajectory here with the blueberry industry without your leadership and support. So thank you personally. And certainly appreciate you joining us on the business of blueberries.
1: All right. My pleasure.
0: Well, that's it for episode 50, a milestone episode for this podcast, The Business of Blueberries. And there was nobody better to join me today than Tom Bodke. Uh, I, I think just as I always end a show with different key takeaways, i would just say the one word leadership i think the importance of leadership in any industry uh, really is a testimony to its future success and so when you can bring good leaders around the table to talk about the most important things and the future of things it really helps to improve what otherwise would be an industry adrift and i think we really see a great example in Tom's leadership in our industry and certainly other leaders we've had on this show. And so uh, I just want to kind of close out with that kind of one word takeaway that leadership is important. and, And we're very fortunate to have so many great leaders in this industry continuing to come around the table time and time again to teach the competition, to serve in ways that you don't see very often today in business and in industry. But before we close out today episode, I do also wanna remind everyone that we would love it if you just take a few moments to tell us about this show, tell us about the podcast. Uh, in the show notes to this episode, you'll see a link to a, our listener survey. It won't take you long, but I can promise that your feedback and comments will be very influential in how we shape the show going forward into the second season and the future of our podcast. So by participating, we won't leave you empty handed. You'll have a chance to win a Business of Blueberries Yeti Tumblr. If you get a chance, please take a moment and fill out that survey. Well, that's it. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back next week with more innovation, collaboration, family, and hard work right here on the Business of Blueberries.